it's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Oh, brother. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I don't. I really don't. I got the feeling that something right. It's not. Really I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From the Pacifica Radio Network in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 93 FM WLRI News Radio. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on the great AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And yes, streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today for what will no doubt be another thrilling, action-packed adventure. Of course, uh, I wasn't paying attention to the news for the past few days, so uh, Desi, has, has anything been going on in the news that hmm, you... Gosh, really no, I, I can't think of slow, anything. Another slow news week, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, I know. Uh, that is, of course, Desi Doyen, our producer, uh, and hope you're uh, surviving this <laughs> slow news weekend. Uh, as uh, as you know, the two major party presidential candidates, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, met on Sunday night for, let's call it a debate, town hall style at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, my old hometown, and perhaps the only thing that I can feel proud about concerning last night's debate and this entire campaign at this point, frankly. Uh, the face-off was moderated by ABC's Martha Raddatz and CNN's Anderson Cooper as the dark climax to a weekend that began on Friday with the release of that 2005 videotape where Donald Trump is caught on a hot mic using exceedingly vulgar language to brag about sexually assaulting women. Uh, that tape, uh, perhaps the first of more to come, by the way, was from Access Hollywood. It was an outtake with Billy Bush. Yes, he is George W. Bush's first cousin, apparently. So thanks again, W. That tape uh, led to a late-night, post-midnight, almost hostage-like video apology from Trump on Friday night, Saturday morning, in which he barely apologized before arguing that what Bill Clinton did in the 80s and 90s was far worse than what was seen on those tapes. Uh, He went on to accuse him of abusing women. That was followed by a day and a half of dozens of Republican elected officials distancing themselves from Trump in various ways over the weekend. Uh, His candidacy candidacy seemed to be imploding by the minute and taking the entire GOP down with it in the bargain. 
As folks like uh, House Speaker Paul Ryan uninvited Donald Trump from a joint rally they were scheduled to hold on Saturday, others, uh, notably Republican U.S. senators, began unendorsing him. There were questions swirling as to whether his own running mate, Republican vice presidential nominee Mike Pence, who also condemned Trump's videotaped uh, remarks from 2005, whether he might drop off the ticket. And just before the Sunday debate... Donald Trump held a surprise press conference of sorts with women who claimed to have been assaulted back in the 80s and 90s by Bill Clinton. And those women were later in the audience at the debate on Sunday night. Washington Post is now reporting that there was a fierce battle just minutes before the debate was to begin with the Trump team insisting that those women be allowed to sit in the front row in the Trump family VIP box and the head of the presidential debate commission fiercely objecting, uh, all of which has now raised questions as to whether Trump will participate in the third and final debate upcoming in Las Vegas next week at all. Uh, when the two candidates finally did enter the town hall stage at Washington University, they did not even shake hands. It was uh, a very chilly start to what many have been, uh, many are describing accurately, I think, as the darkest U.S. presidential debate ever held, particularly the first 30 minutes or so when Trump was forced to answer both to his comments about assaulting women on that uh, on that videotape and then when he went on to accuse Hillary Clinton of mistreating the women that her husband is accused of having assaulted some 30 years ago. So, uh, yeah, there were ultimately some actual issues of uh, of substance raised in the debate. Maybe we'll get to some of those to de- uh, today, uh, uh, many of which uh, were, were sort of glossed over in the immediate media coverage in the aftermath of, de- of the debate. Uh, understandably, I think, in this case, given the twisted drama that played out over the weekend, as well as during uh, at least the first part of Sunday's debate, but even throughout, uh, as Donald Trump seemed to physically stalk, almost menace Hillary Clinton on the stage throughout much of the entire town hall. Uh, She seems to have held up well enough, uh, if seemingly off her game a bit, uh, at least by way of comparison to the first debate, and Trump, for his part, managed to remain... Let's call it, for want of a better word, somewhat presidential, whatever the hell that now means, though that bar has been uh, for acceptable presidential behavior at this point has become so absurdly low at this point in the uh, 2016 campaign. Uh, As noted, there were actually quite a few issues discussed. Describing them as issues of substance may be an overstatement, but many worth talking about uh, as some uh, for example, uh, Trump's promise to assign his deputy, uh, or I'm sorry, his Department of Justice, should he be elected, to investigate, prosecute, and even jail Hillary Clinton. That's certainly something we've never seen in any presidential debate, at least in the U.S., uh, at least to my knowledge. Josh Marshall, writing at uh, Talking Points Memo, wrote late last night, uh, quote, by any pre-2016 standard we know, The entirety of Trump's angry, blustering manner would be fatal for a presidential candidate. But we've been living with this guy for a year and a half. We all have a little bit of trauma of living in the home of an abuser now. We're accustomed to it. To a degree, it starts to feel normal. 
And uh, that was Josh Marshall at TPM. And that is, of course, one of the greatest dangers, I think, normalizing all of this. Uh, one of the greatest dangers and uh, I, I think uh, the lasting legacy of this dark, ugly 2016 campaign. Uh, in fairness, however, this ugliness did not begin with 2016. It's been a long and dangerous and coarsening uh, of the American body politic, beginning with talk radio in the 80s, the rise of Fox News in the 90s and 2000s, presidency of George W. Bush, and the long, bitter battle of hate-based nativist politics that has now taken center stage quite literally in the 2016 campaign. All right, well, with that, here to try and help us understand what the hell is going on and what, if anything, we can take away from all of it. Uh, first up, longtime journalist, communication strategist, former CNN and current TV reporter, Jackie Schechner, who also served as National Communications Director for Healthcare for America Now, the nation's largest health care reform campaign, and for Al Gore's Climate Reality Project. Jackie Schechner, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you. I am licking my wounds having watched that debacle last night, but I am happy to join you. Boy, uh, I think America is uh, licking its wounds. As well, we are joined by our old friend Dave Johnson, senior fellow at the progressive policy organization People's Action, formerly known as the Campaign for America's Future. Hey, Dave Johnson, welcome back to the broadcast as well. Hey, Brad, I'm glad to be here, but I'm not glad for what we're talking about. I, yeah, I know. You know, neither. Uh, I don't think any of us are today. Uh, you were both uh, with us during our debate coverage in the uh, in the primary cycle. That was insane enough, but uh, never as dark as where it now seems to be. I, I want to we'll, we'll get into the specifics. We'll start as we usually do broadly and, and then narrow down to the specifics. But, you know, uh with that uh, bombshell video and the effect that it has had now on the Republican Party, on the race as a whole, uh, even before Trump brought in the, uh, the Bill Clinton business, we'll get to that in a moment. All of this over the weekend, it felt very much in some respects like, uh, you guys remember the Mark Foley scandal back in 2006? Mm -hmm. That was late September of that year. It, it suddenly had uh, you know become crystal clear that the bottom had fallen out for the GOP when... Uh, these text messages came out from Mark Foley. This was following, you know, Katrina and Iraq and everything else. Text messages that this congressman had sent to uh, uh, young congressional pages, the Speaker of the House at the time, who is now a convicted, imprisoned child molester. Denny Hastert had covered up the whole thing. Uh, and coincidentally, by the way, Mark Foley, that congressman actually showed up at a Trump rally. Uh, a, a few months ago uh, in, in the crowd right behind Donald Trump. Uh, Jackie Schechner, is, is this moment w one of those watershed moments for the Republican Party as you see it, uh, setting aside the question of what it, you know, what it means for our country? I don't know. I mean, if you remember, the Republican Party had to, did that big autopsy. I think it was back in, what, 2008, where they said they had to reevaluate where their party was. Was it 2008 or 2012? 2012, yeah, after they lost in 2012. 2012 sorry, yeah. They had to reevaluate where they are. And what we've proven now is they've gotten nowhere. And frankly, I think what's so despicable about everything that's going on is that Donald Trump has been this person all along. Mm -hmm. And not just in the entirety of this campaign, but he's been this person his entire life. And so now there's an 
audio clip that exemplifies exactly who he is uh, and all of these Republican congressmen and, and uh, senators and, you know, the RNC, they're all willing to support him until they heard this audio, and now some of them are running for the hills. Uh, but they embraced him. They embraced him all along. And so, mm-hmm. you know, now all of a sudden they're, they're faced with that shame uh, and they're changing their mind, but it's too late. It's not enough. Uh, and it's almost like they, they broke him, they bought him. I mean, this yeah. is this is the guy that they said was okay from the very beginning, and now they've got to own that. A, a, a good point. And a Do- Donald Trump has not only always been this guy, but I would argue, Dave Johnson, uh, that the Republican Party has always been this party. Uh, there's some, you know, shock and surprise that the Republicans would, you know, end up nominating this guy. That this is, uh, you know, they, they broke it, they bought him. But, uh, you know, that devolution, it seems like he is really just the latest place that the Republican Party has gone after all of these years of the, you know, the the Bush fiasco. And and young voters may not connect the dots back to uh, the the Bush years and talk radio and Fox News and the failed policies of the early 2000s. How much of of our current nightmare uh, do you see tying back to the you know, to the false balance that the media has used for the last 30 years and has not, you know, put up the alarm that, hey, this is not politics as usual. And frankly, it hasn't been for a number of decades now. Brad, you, you get me on the show and then you say everything I was going to say. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, we, we are of one mind here. I, I feel like there's uh, there's partly this feeling that of the old story, the frog in the water that's getting warmer and warmer and mm-hmm. warmer. Yeah. Well, we're boiling, and everybody's suddenly noticing that the water's boiling right now, but it goes back. It goes back further, Just It goes back to Newt Gingrich and his... Mm-hmm. He, this Newt Gingrich became Speaker of the House, but before that, he uh, had a thing called GOPAC that would teach these candidates how to say this stuff. He had a list of words they were instructed to use when describing opponents and uh, other Republicans, so the opponents would get these bad terms, and the mm. other the Republicans mm-hmm. would get these good terms. It, but it was like this full-on nastiness assault, all the way back to Gingrich and his tactics, and the the way that there's been this this kind of a a, a use of uh, bigotry flat-out bigotry. Uh, uh, Lee Atwater once said, well, you know, in the 50s we could use the N-word, 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 but later on, you know, uh, we had to start getting more sophisticated, so we started saying things like crime and drugs. What, something like that. He said, you guys yeah. can look it up. Just, yeah. just Google Atwater and the N-word. And uh, mm. but So they've been using this. They've been using abortion. They've been using religion. They've been making these promises They've been riling up this anti-government confederacy kind of a base, and uh, here we are with them riled up now in in full steam. This has been coming for a long time, but it's what you guys said. Donald Trump is the Republican Party. He's nothing more than the manifestation of something that's been building up and building up, and now we're at a kind of a reckoning point, I think. 
Jackie. I would add, too, that we've yeah. had this desensitization to the vulgarity, right? We're at a right. point people keep saying, is this the breaking point? Is this the breaking point? Well, we've gotten so disgusting in what we're willing to tolerate that even this 2005 tape, which everybody says, gasp, you know, this is the final straw. And it may be, but even today, listening to Trump at his rally, he's saying it's just locker room talk or whatever you want to call it, but Clinton's done work. I mean, he's blowing it off the same way he's blown off everything else. Mm-hmm. So while we think in the moment that this is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back, the camel gets up again on Monday morning and keeps on trotting. So, you know, I don't know if it's because of the nature of where we are societally or if just we've gotten so disgusted with politics that we're so deep in the mud we can't even see where the mud begins. But we've, we're totally desensitized to where this has gone and, and where the Republican Party has taken it. Boy, uh, you're right. And let, let me, uh, Des, you had a thought. I want to get into some of the specifics yes. of, of the, uh, uh, the, the his response Sunday night at the debate. But but you had a thought here. Yeah, just uh, something that Al Franken had said on Bill Maher on Real Time on HBO previously. He said, there seems to be no consequences anymore for lying. And I remember asking you, so, well, who was supposed to be the one who dispenses the consequences? And that, I think, is the media. The media is the one who's supposed to step up and say, that's a disqualifying statement, or that's a lie. And I think that is how we've been failed up until this point. And let me uh, just add and get your thoughts, Jackie, because you were with CNN in some of these early days here. Uh, you know, And I thought, by the way, that uh, Anderson Cooper and Martha Raddatz did just about as good a job as you could moderating that debate on Sunday night. But, but you know... You were at CNN, and I'm not blaming you for what CNN did, uh, Jackie. But you, you I were stopped apologizing for CNN a long time. Ago. I, I know you did, but I'm I'm hoping you might uh, offer some insight here. You know, th- there's finally some accountability from the media calling out these people as liars when they actually lie, saying that's a lie, that's not true. But that took decades, uh, and you know, I remember back during the Bush years when we were very, very critical. Guys like you know bloggers like me and and Dave Johnson calling out you know CNN. Why aren't you calling this out as a lie? Why are you being so nice? What was the difference then versus now? Uh, do, you, do you have any insight there for me on that? I don't, but I will tell you that what I found appalling this election cycle is how long it took journalists to say that's a lie. Mm-hmm. They use all sorts of words to dance around the word lie. You know, that's a mischaracterization. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an exaggeration. Uh, we, we, don't, we can't say with any certain... I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, call a lie a lie. And I think that if the media had been willing to do that so definitively right off the bat, mm-hmm. we may be in a different position than we are right now. But there was so much dancing around uh, and everybody was so afraid to just come out and say it. Now, I will say this, that there are higher-ups and powers that be, and it's not necessarily politically motivated, but there is such a fear of looking like you have a bias that even when one side is, is so demonstratively false that there are executives who are afraid to come out and say it for fear of looking like they have a bias. And I, I think that we're in this sort of post-truth point right now in our society where we have to turn around and just call a lie a lie and for whatever reason you know there's just some hesitation to do that and that causes more damage i think than people even realize dave uh johnson is the uh looking for an upside here is the fact that now the media are actually calling these things lies uh you watched for you know those 
last couple of uh, uh, decades when they just refused to do that is the is the fact that they now seem willing to do that. Will that be a lasting positive legacy of uh, what is otherwise uh, anything but positive this 2016 election? I I kind of doubt it, and I, I want to go back to that uh, longer period with the water boiling a little more and a little more. The boiling frogs, the, uh, yeah. The hesitancy to call a lie a lie and to try to not to appear biased, that, that was something that was managed. I mean, if you go back to the beginning of these conservative organizations in the mid-late 70s where they started getting this large amount of funding and came up with a sort of a central plan... One of the aspects of attack was to attack the media as biased in order to play the ref, as it were, Mm -hmm. to to get them. And this was a strategy, and and you can go back and look at the strategy, to get them to uh, do more to promote right-wing ideas Mm -hmm. and to uh, do a both-siderism until after, you know, a couple, uh, maybe a generation or two of journalism uh, it became the way journalism was done. This is what they call both siderism, I think. Uh, both sides do it. Both sides are equally bad. Both sides, yeah, the, uh, the they, Democrats do it, the Republicans. Make you come yeah. up where you have to say something about how the other side does this too, in some way. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, you get these absurd comparisons, but that's just one part of. I think what we're seeing here is a crisis of. I was thinking the other day for Trump to even be on that stage. How many of our institutions have failed, not just the media to call out a lie, but how many of our institutions have how, have had people lose faith in them, have failed us? How pervasive these problems are in our society that we could get to a point where people could at all accept even the, the candidates that were in the primaries on the Republican Party. So yeah. this buildup, I think we might be, as I said, getting towards a reckoning point on this, I hope, I, an examination. But there's also, there's also the oddity, too, of not even believing the facts anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, if you right. look at the Trump supporters, I'm on Twitter a lot, and you know a lot of the Trump supporters come out of the woodwork to harass us. Uh, on Twitter, as I'm sure yeah. all of you have experienced. I, I said I was uh, sorry, Jackie. All right, go <laughs> <Yeah>. ahead. <laughs> in go this ahead. election cycle. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 been fun. Um, yeah, you can always tell because the grammar is really terrible. But um, <laughs> they, they come out in, in droves, and they think everything's a fabrication, everything's a lie, uh, everything's fake, uh, the media's all uh, making it all up. I mean, it, you, you can't even get the facts through. That's the problem, right? There's no... There's no, uh, there's no credible news source. There's nothing they believe anymore other mm-hmm. than what comes out of Trump's mouth. And I, I don't know why that is, why they're so susceptible. But I don't even know how to counter it when the valid news sources are, are deemed to be, you know, unbelievable and well that's why they're that's why they're so susceptible they have been trained they have been brainwashed for decades Mm -hmm. you even had charlie sykes this uh right-wing talk radio guy up in wisconsin who was you know one of the uh you know worst purveyors of this coming out and saying this is the monster that we built because we trained Mm -hmm. them that you know don't listen to the new york times it's all lies when the new york times has a fact check he can't even point uh, these people to that you know to the, the trump people to that anymore because that's how they have been trained. Listen, I want to uh, l- let's let's get very quickly into because uh, uh, there's so much to cover here. Let me get to uh, Trump's uh, response, and I, I've got two separate uh, responses here from uh, 
from Trump that came up at the beginning of the debate. Sorry you got to sit through him again, America. <laughs> but uh, but I think we need to hear what he said here. This is uh, one of the first questions was about the videotape and his vulgar comments about committing sexual assault on married women and others. His, his answer essentially was, hey, ISIS is dangerous, so you stop talking you about said, me. Locker room banter. You describe kissing women without consent, grabbing their genitals. That is sexual assault. You brag that you have sexually assaulted women. Do you understand that? No, I didn't say that at all. I don't think you understood what was said. This was locker room talk. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I apologize to my family. I apologize to the American people. Certainly, I'm not proud of it. You know, when we have a world where you have ISIS chopping off heads, where you have, and frankly, drowning people in steel cages, where you have where you have so many bad things happening. This is like medieval times. We haven't seen anything like this, the carnage all over the world. And they look at our country and they see what's going on. Yes, I'm very embarrassed by it. I hate it. But it's locker room talk, and it's one of those things. I will knock the hell out of ISIS. I will take care of ISIS. So, Mr. And Trump, we should get on to much more important things and much bigger things. Just for the record, though, are you saying that what you said on that bus 11 years ago, that you did not actually kiss women without consent or grope women without consent? I have great respect for women. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. So for the record, said, you're saying you never did that? I things that, frankly, you, you hear these things, they're said. And I was embarrassed by it, but I have tremendous respect for women. Have you ever and done those things? have respect for me. And I will tell you, no, I have not. Uh, we're going to make America safe again. We're going to make America great again, but we're going to make America safe again. And... We're going to make America wealthy again. Now other nations are taking our jobs and they're taking our wealth. Thank you, Mr. Trump. And that's Trump. what I want to talk about. Secretary Clinton. I bet, I bet he does. Uh, Jackie Schechner, you're a woman. Uh, before we, <laughs> Last I checked, yes. <laughs> before we get to the, uh, to the Bill Clinton element here in a, mi- in a minute, uh, what else, if anything, could Trump or should Trump have, have done there in, in that situation as a communication strategist yourself? Gosh, I mean, if he were going to excuse himself for that kind of talk and behavior, I mean, any sense of contrition would have been better. I mean, look, I I despise the man. I think he's a disgusting human being. I think he's a narcissist. I think he's a racist. I think he's a misogynist. I think he's everything that's wrong with our society. So it's very hard for me to give any sort of advice that I think could be met with any sort of sincerity. However, if I were putting on a communication strategist hat and somehow trying to defend that sort of disgusting language, uh, I think what I would have done is said to him, you need to look sincere you need to be um, humble. You need to say that you're humiliated by that, the fact that it was it was braggadocious, that it was inappropriate, it was humiliating uh, to you, to your family, uh, and that that's you know not the kind of man that you are or want to be, uh, and that you know you would you would reassure people that that that's not how you believe women should be treated or how men should behave. I mean, there there are things that you can say, but he's not that guy. So that's not what he was going to do, and I think the reason it took so long for that video statement, you described it very well as almost hostage-like, right, to come out on Friday night at midnight, is because he didn't want to do it, and he doesn't believe he was wrong. So there's really no communication strategy that, that you can give a man who has no sense of shame. Uh, good point. Um, let me uh, play one more clip before we get to a break here, and uh, Dave, I'll get your thoughts on this. This is where... Uh uh, well, uh, where he essentially doubled down uh, what he did uh, 11 years ago wasn't that bad because of what Bill Clinton did uh, 20 or 30 years ago. Trump says the campaign 
has changed him. When did that happen? So, Mr. Trump, let me add to that. When you walked off that bus at age 59, were you a different man or did that behavior continue until just recently? That was locker room talk. Uh, I'm not proud of it, but that was something that uh, happened. If you look at uh, Bill Clinton, far worse, minor words, and his was action. So you can say any way you want to say it, but Bill Clinton was abusive to women. Hillary Clinton attacked those same women, four of them here tonight. One of the women, who is a wonderful woman at 12 years old, was raped at 12. She represented, got him off, and she's seen laughing on two separate occasions, laughing at the girl who was raped. Kathy Shelton, that young woman, is here with us tonight. So don't tell me about words. I am absolutely, I apologize for those words. But what President Clinton did, he was impeached. He lost his license to practice law. He had to pay an $850,000 fine to one of the women, Paula Jones, who's also here tonight. When Hillary brings up a point like that, and she talks about words that I said 11 years ago, I think it's disgraceful, and I think she should be ashamed of herself, if you want to know the truth. Can we please hold the applause? So Hillary Clinton should be ashamed of himself of herself. Uh, now, there are, in fact, a trail of women who still maintain their claims that Bill Clinton sexually assaulted them over the years. Uh, as I said, this is from 20 or 30 years ago, but the women still stand by their claims. Uh, so should any of that be a part of the consideration of uh, in a presidential contest between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump? And does anything uh, does it do anything useful for Trump? Anything come of uh, dragging all of this uh, into this campaign, Dave Johnson? Well, clearly nobody has more respect for women than Donald Trump. Obviously. <laughs> except, except when it comes to attributing to a woman the attitudes and actions of her husband, then, then that's no different because obviously she's responsible for everything he is accused of. i, I got to bring up one thing. The 12-year-old, she was a defense lawyer assigned to represent a guy who was mm -hmm. accused of uh, raping the girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, lots of things happened last night and recently that make it clear that Donald Trump has never read the Constitution of the United States, but he's going after Hillary Clinton for being a defense attorney assigned to defend someone. Uh so I, I, I'm kind of left speechless, although I know this is a radio show. That's okay. <laughs> no, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And actually, you, his seeming misunderstanding of the Constitution and how our system of laws uh, works. Uh, well, that brings us to the to the next point. I want to take a quick break first. But, uh, Jackie, before I go to a, to a break, and any thoughts on that and the, the Bill Clinton element here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a play to try to distract, obviously, uh, and to perhaps bring Clinton's indiscretions uh, up to millennials who may not be familiar with them, mm -hmm. but they don't resonate. And I think the younger generation that Trump's team may be trying to get to uh, is going to dismiss this, this sort of thing. I don't think they're interested in it. Uh, and frankly, if you're trying to reach 
women in any way. I mean, there's no bigger turnoff than blaming a woman for her husband's indiscretions. And I think that, you know, Clinton acted uh, as a woman would, I think, if she's her marriage is at risk and she's humiliated. And, you know, there are all of these incidents that took place, but we all live through it, those of us who live through it. We have no interest in relitigating it. Uh, and I think if you're trying to bring it up for a younger generation, you know, dragging out, I hate to say it, but like, you know, a handful of, of older women uh, that, that millennials can't relate to and don't really understand what went on, it's not a good strategy and it it just makes trump look even worse i mean it just looks like you're you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of of your campaign tactics at that point we may not i I gotta add i think clinton handled it exactly right she sort of made a face and said nothing I, I don't exactly. know. I don't know if we can even see the bottom of this particular barrel. That's what I'm worried right. about. Let me <laughs> let me uh, take a quick break, and we'll be back with more of our special coverage of uh, whatever the hell that was uh, over the weekend, <laughs> the uh, Sunday second presidential debate. I don't even know uh, with uh, Jackie Schechter, Dave Johnson, and Desi Doyen. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is the Bradcast. Don't go away. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. What the public hears over the public airwaves matters. Without an informed electorate, we've got, well, we got what we have right now. We do our best on the broadcast five days a week to balance that with accurate reporting on issues that actually matter. We don't always get it right, but we try like hell to do so. And we do it all independently and without the influence of corporate or political funding. But we can't do it without you. Please don't presume others will step up. We need you to help us keep doing what Desi Doyen and myself try to do every day on the broadcast. Please help us continue to do so by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep the broadcast going and telling the truth over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. Don't wait. Please stop by today. Thanks. When I hear something like that, I am reminded of what my friend Michelle Obama advised us all. When they go low, you go high. Mm -hmm. Welcome back to the broadcast. Special coverage of the second presidential debate on Sunday night from Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, with my guests Jackie Schechner and Dave Johnson. Um, all right. Uh, right wing uh, media hoaxer, manipulator, provocateur, uh, Andy Breitbart. He's the creator of the Breitbart News, whose executive editor, Steve Bannon, now heads the Trump campaign. He may have died at a prematurely young age a few years back. But and I had many direct spats with him over the years. But he was a master manipulator. And I would argue his legacy is now living on in the Trump campaign. And I don't say that as a good thing. Uh, This was very much the Breitbart debate in St. Louis on Sunday night, it seems to me. Uh, This sort of rabid white nationalists uh, that that hang out over at at Breitbart and who are the Trump supporters, they were very happy with the rehash of what they consider to be the crimes of the the Clinton years uh, and the Clintons, no doubt. Uh, It may have reached its zenith during that debate, I think, when, when Trump promised to direct his Uh, His attorney general, if elected, to appoint a special prosecutor to investigate and prosecute and even jail Hillary Clinton. All you have to do is take a look at WikiLeaks and just see what they said about Bernie Sanders. Because Bernie Sanders, between superdelegates and Deborah Wasserman Schultz, he never had a chance. And I was so surprised to see him sign on with the devil. 
I think the one that you should really be apologizing for and the thing that you should be apologizing for are the 33,000 emails that you deleted and that you acid washed. And I'll tell you what, I didn't think I'd say this, but I'm going to say it, and I hate to say it, but if I win, I am going to instruct my attorney general to get a special prosecutor to look into your situation because there has never been so many lies, so much deception, there has never been anything like it. So we're gonna get a special prosecutor and we're gonna look into it because you know what? People have been, their lives have been destroyed for doing one fifth of what you've done and it's a disgrace and honestly, you ought to be ashamed of Secretary yourself. Secretary Clinton, I- uh, She went on uh, uh, to say that, uh, Hillary Clinton went on to respond that she was really glad that Donald Trump was not in charge of our legal system and Trump uh, interrupted to say, because you would be in jail. Dave Johnson, uh, we had a president who tried to use his Department of Justice that way. Uh, and, and not long afterwards, the uh, the attorney general resigned instead of doing so, instead of uh, going after Richard Nixon's political opponents. And, and then, of course, Nixon ended up resigning in disgrace from the presidency I- itself. Uh, is is it even legal for a president to order a prosecutor uh, in his own uh, Department of Justice to investigate a political opponent uh, or, frankly, to order them to uh, investigate anyone specifically for that matter? Uh, to my knowledge, no, it is not. But this is not unprecedented. I mean, it, this is the kind of talk, and it would be the kind of an action of a dictator, not of a, or a strongman, a Putin-like person, not of a president in a democracy. But Go back to the Bush administration when they, when we had what was called the U.S. Attorney's Scandal, when mm-hmm. they ordered U.S. attorneys to trump up charges of voter fraud mm-hmm. in their states, in their regions, in order to justify what we see now as this massive voter suppression campaign in the name of voter fraud. There was no accountability, really, for that. And so they got away with it. They uh, fired some U.S. attorneys... Others, you know, did what they said, and they got promoted, and here we are now with a presidential candidate freely, a Republican, I'll point out, presidential candidate freely going out and saying that he will do this, that he will have his opponent jailed after the election. That's that's dictator, that's strongman, that's Putin-like, and that's terrifying, because at his rallies, the crowds chant, lock her up, but the crowds also chant about the media, lock them up. And uh, Brad, you and I Mm. and Jackie, we're in the media. We're left-wing media. Guess what? Uh, They're coming for you. They're coming for me. They could be. Yeah. Specifically for you, Dave. I want to add that he he says he would do this right after the election. Well, there's other things they would jump on right after the election. Paul Ryan has come out and said that should they get control, he will immediately completely alter the U.S. budget, and he will use non- uh, he will use, uh, suddenly I forgot the word. Budget tactic, reconciliation. Uh, Re- reconciliation, will use reconciliation yeah. that will allow them to go ahead and do that and force that through. In all of these states around the country, we saw Republicans get into office and immediately force through aggressive and radical changes. So while this is astonishing what Trump said, it's not unprecedented and it's not outside of Republican tactics. Uh, I would add also yeah. that it's obvious that Trump has no idea how government works, and he doesn't care yeah. to learn. So it, it's not 
it's not uh, so far-fetched to think that he believes that it's entirely possible in this kind of democracy to behave this way. I mean, he blames Clinton for 30 years of public service where she didn't single-handedly pass laws. Uh, and, <laughs> and When she was first code. lady. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, he has no concept of, of the fact that one New York senator can't single-handedly change tax code. So, you know, I think that the dictatorial uh, stance on things is, is just a, a part of, well, A, maybe his relationship with Putin, and uh, B, also his total lack of knowledge of how U.S. government works. The um, I, I mentioned at the at the top of this segment that this was sort of the Breitbart debate that Andrew Breitbart uh, would be very proud of what uh, <laughs> has come here this uh, white nationalist candidate really rising and bringing up these things about the Clinton raising Bill Clinton's sexual history Hillary Clinton's email server uh, the point it seems to me Jackie is to effectively muddy the water enough and create enough false balance I mean here we are we spent a lot you know quite a few minutes here talking about Bill Clinton and all of that uh, you know to create this false balance to neuter his own problems from that video and everything else <laughs> ultimately, does it work? Did it work? It, you know, has he effectively blunted uh, the problem that he was facing over the weekend? No, I mean, I don't think people are going to forget. Um, I think we're easily distracted, but I think that um, what was so disgusting uh, about his language and the way he obviously feels about women will continue. I think that there's plenty of rumors circulating online that this is not the end of what we'll hear, that there are other tapes out there. There's other, I mean, the man's been in reality television for more than a decade. Uh, he, he, if you even listen to the clips of him on Howard Stern over the years, I mean, there's enough disgusting stuff out there uh, that, that we can carry this narrative through. The problem is, and, and you know, I have to admit this, is that Clinton herself is a flawed candidate. Uh, she's not a sociopath. Right. So the, the problem is that you're you're equating apples to to gosh, I don't even know pebbles, you know, uh, <laughs> rotted, even, uh, poisonous. Right. Fish. I mean, there's not yes. even it's not even fruit. So, right. you know, you're, you're you're you can claim that Clinton has all of these problems. It, they're they're basically generally the flaws that most political candidates have. Um, but she's not a, a sociopath, and she spent her entire life in some form of public service. Uh, he's just a disgusting human being. And, and I think wow. that the, the problem is that she has to figure out a way to combat him and not get down in the dirt with him, uh, and at the same time mitigate the damage that it does exist based on her own somewhat flawed political path. There was, uh, I, our, our friend Digby, I think, said, uh, you know, it's not apples and oranges, it's apples and rotten fish, and you might not like apples, but rotten fish will kill you if you eat it. Mm -hmm. That, I, yeah, I think, was is really the best uh, comparison. Uh, all right, let me uh, let me play this uh, clip about the, the about the taxes uh, once again, and there's quite a bit here um, because the question you know arises: Does any of this matter? Will any of this change the minds of of his uh, his supporters at this point? No matter how outrageous it is, so the issues of taxes uh, came back up once again, and I think I think he admitted once again that he doesn't pay federal income taxes here. Now the taxes are a very simple thing. As soon as I have, first of all, I pay hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes. Many of our friends took bigger deductions. Warren Buffett, 
took a massive deduction. Uh, Soros, who's a friend of hers, took a massive deduction. Many of the people that are giving her all this money that she can do many more commercials than me, gave her, took massive deductions. People like Donald who paid zero in taxes, zero for our vets, zero for our military, zero for health and education. That is wrong. Thank and you, we're Secretary. going to make sure that nobody, no corporation and no individual, can get away without paying his fair share to I want support to give you, our country. Mr. Did you use that $916 million loss to avoid paying personal federal income taxes? For of you? course I do. Of course I do. So can, you, can you say how many years you have avoided paying personal federal income taxes? No, but I, I pay tax and I pay federal tax too. If she had a problem, for 30 years she's been doing this, Anderson, I say it all the time. She talks about health care. Why didn't she do something about it? She talks about taxes. Why didn't she do something about it? She doesn't do anything about anything other than talk. With her, it's all talk and no action. In the past, and, and again, Bernie Sanders, it's really bad judgment. She has made bad judgment not only on taxes, she's made bad judgments on Libya, on Syria, on Iraq. I mean, her and Obama, whether you like it or not, the way they got out of Iraq, the vacuum they've left, that's why ISIS formed in the first place. They started from that little area, and now they're in 32 different nations, Hillary. Congratulations. Great job. I've been uh, in favor of getting rid of carried interest for years. Why didn't you, you know, do it? Why didn't you do it? Because I was a senator with a Republican president. Oh, really? I will be the you president. You could have done it. If you, were an, effective, uh, if you exactly were an effective right. senator, you could have done it. You know, under our Constitution, presidents have something called veto power. So, boy, there's a lot there. Uh, Dave Johnson, uh, <laughs> you want to jump in with your thoughts? It seems like uh, he admitted again that he hasn't paid federal taxes. And by the way, he cited Warren Buffett, who put out a rather remarkable statement today, uh, actually detailing very specifically what his 2015 returns show, how much taxes he has paid, which is essentially 16 percent in uh, federal income taxes. And he says that uh, he has paid federal income tax every single year since 1944 when I was 13 years old. He said, though, being a slow starter, I only owed $7 in taxes that year and that he has copies of uh, 70, 72 of his tax returns. None of them uses the loophole that uh, Trump uses uh, and that he's been audited by the IRS and he would have no problem. There is no legal problem releasing his taxes. So Buffett absolutely went up against uh, what Trump had to say. Your thoughts, Dave Johnson? My thoughts are that something's in Trump's taxes that's even worse than these tapes mm -hmm. of what he said about that woman. And I suspect, and Hillary Clinton hinted at it, that, he, that it's got something to do with Russian oligarchs. Uh, if we're lucky, it's just that. So uh, that, that's my reaction. The rest of what he's saying, it's just utter nonsense. I see he brought up so the favorite uh, Breitbart boogeyman Soros the Jew, Yes. Well, uh, <laughs> well, he didn't say but, the Jew, but I guess you're, uh, well, you're suggesting did. that that's what he's uh, getting at? Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, it's the, a lot of the Soros stuff has been that. Uh, so I, I want to say one thing. Clinton pushed in some policy discussion in there, which I think was really good on her part. I've got to say, uh, the, the favorite, I mean, he's playing to the base there who hates our government and hates taxes, so he can say those things, but the fact is he didn't pay those taxes, and that meant 
infrastructure veterans, schools, and all of those things. I was very good of her. And it was very good of her to say that we're going to have to go after these people who have gotten these breaks for so long in order to get some things done. It was very good of her. It's the, one of the first times I've heard uh, an argument back from what you might call our side on the fact that, hey, taxes need to go up and we need to spend money on things that make people's lives better, infrastructure, schools, and things like that. I was very good of her that she pushed that little tiny bit of policy in this whole debate into there, I think. Let me, since I've got well, Jackie... She did that in the first debate. I was going to say, she did that right. in the yeah. first debate just a little bit, too. She made that connection right. that if he doesn't pay taxes, he's not paying right. for the things that our nation needs to move forward. But I think the fact that she brought it up again uh, was good because you reinforced that connection. There is, uh, uh, since we've got uh, you here, Jackie Schechner, and, and you're a bit of an expert on Obamacare, speaking of uh, paying taxes and so forth, there was an audience question about what to do about health care. Uh, you know, suggesting that premiums and uh, uh, deductibles and so forth are going up even under Obamacare. Des, let's play this uh, clip number six. Obamacare will never work. We have to repeal it and replace it with something absolutely much less expensive. We have to get rid of the lines around the state, artificial lines, where we stop insurance companies from coming in and competing. You will have the finest health care plan there is. She wants to go to a single-payer plan, which would be a disaster. Hillary Clinton has been after this for years. Obamacare was the first step. Obamacare is a total disaster. And not only are your rates going up by numbers that nobody's ever believed, but your deductibles are going up. Trump it is time. a disastrous plan, and it has to be repealed and replaced. So, Jackie Schechner, uh, unfortunately, uh, Hillary actually has said that she believes single-payer uh, health care will never, ever happen. I think it was never, ever, ever happen was her actual quote. Uh, even though uh, the WikiLeaks uh, excerpts uh, that broke on, on Friday from her private speeches uh, to bankers and such revealed her actually lauding single-payer to those bankers in private when when she didn't have to. Uh, but since we've got you here, you're an expert on Obamacare, actually. Th this this claim about getting rid of the lines around the states, that's his solution. I, I know it's been debunked so many times, but I think it has to be done again. Uh, so please feel free to do so. Uh, your response to, to Trump there as a whole and, and his response on Obamacare yet again. Sure. Well, anyone who knows me knows I'm allergic to the term Obamacare, so I'm going to call it the Affordable Care Act. Okay. But... Uh, first of all, if you get rid of uh, the parameters of state lines and people are allowed to buy insurance across state lines, you get rid of all consumer protections. And the best way to describe this is imagine like a credit card company that sets up in the states with the loosest regulations, like Delaware, for example, right? Mm -hmm. You are no longer protected by state consumer protections. So buying across state lines does nothing but strip you of the consumer protections that you, you are afforded now. Um, it also does nothing if you're talking about increasing competition. Health insurance doesn't work like other consumer goods. The insurance companies compete to see what the market will bear. They jack up prices because it's something you need. It's not, it's not something healthcare, unfortunately in this country, healthcare is tied to health insurance, but healthcare is not a luxury. And so people will pay as much as they possibly can to get access to healthcare because they have to. And the insurance companies know this. So they're not competing to give you the best service at the best price. It's not a luxury good. What they're doing 
is competing to see how much the market will bear. We had competition before, and it turned into just monopolies in like 99% of the insurance markets. So the Affordable Care Act came in and put some regulations on insurance companies. The problem is it didn't put in enough regulation, and the insurance companies still are allowed to charge pretty much whatever they want. So the problem isn't too much regulation. The problem is not enough regulation, and we don't keep the insurance companies in check. There's no cost controls. So yes, it's it's flawed. The Affordable Care Act is flawed, but it's flawed because we didn't go far enough. We weren't able to. There was too much resistance in Congress, especially from the Republicans, to be able to do what we needed to do to make it a totally effective system. But the answer is not repealing it. The answer is improving upon it and hopefully getting to a point where the system works for everybody and not just people who have a lot of money to pay for these high-cost insurance plans, most of which are subsidized by your company and your corporation, right? The Affordable Care Act lets people like freelance workers or people who want to go out on their own and start a new business have access to health insurance, which they didn't have before. I could go on forever. Well, you can't because I got to get to a break and uh, hopefully you've got enough Affordable Care Act uh, coverage to uh, deal with that uh, allergy you have to Obamacare. I got to take a quick break. 20 million more Americans now have health care. Thanks to the Affordable Care Act, whether you like it or not, I know a lot of those people, uh, and they're happy that they at least have access, to some respect, to health coverage. i got to take a quick break. We're running late. We'll be back uh, with our closing few minutes with uh, Jackie Schechner and Dave Johnson. After this, I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. You said that half of Donald Trump's supporters are, quote, deplorables. How can you unite a country if you've written off tens of millions of Americans? Well, within hours, I, I said that I was sorry about the way I, I um, talked about that because my argument is not with his supporters. It's with him and with the hateful and divisive campaign that he has run and the inciting of violence at his rallies. What he has said about African-Americans and Latinos, about Muslims, about POWs, Uh, about immigrants, about people with disabilities, he's never apologized for. I'm proud of the campaign that Bernie Sanders and I ran. We ran a campaign based on issues, not insults, and he is supporting me 100%. We have a very divided nation. You look at Charlotte, you look at Baltimore, you look at the violence that's taking place in the inner cities, Chicago. We have a divided nation because people like her, and believe me, she has tremendous hate in her heart. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, final thoughts. We've got just a minute or so left here from uh, from both of you, uh, Dave Johnson and Jackie Schechner. Uh, she has tremendous hate in her heart. That's where this campaign has gone. Uh, I don't know how much lower it's going to go, but let me just uh, get your wrap up on, uh, on, on where we are and... Uh, <laughs> What we can look forward to within the next uh, 30 or so days. Uh, let's start with you, Jackie Schechner. 
uh, he, it's classic projection. I mean, he's been speaking like this. If you watch his rallies throughout this campaign, it's the same thing. He accuses her of everything that he actually is. I mean, I don't know where we go in the next month or so. Uh, you know, I don't, I hope it can't get any lower, uh, but <laughs> history has proven that just when you think we've hit the bottom, we go even further. So I just want to hold on for the next 30 or so days. I want to get out and vote. I hope everybody else does. Uh, and I hope that we emerge from this election somewhat intact, that we can take this country forward in a positive direction. I, I hope this doesn't bring us down to a level that we can't recover from. Dave Johnson, uh, your final thoughts here today. Uh, this is dismaying. I'm very worried about where we go after this, normalizing the kinds of things that have been normalized in this election. Uh, the fact that this guy could get on that stage at all, the damage that's been done to our institutions, to our country, to people's faith in government. Uh, I think we need a truth commission after this election to find out how we got here. Desi Doyen, your final thoughts? Um, I think that uh, if this were a movie, that it would be dismissed as completely not plausible, a crazy, crazy, (laughs) crazy plot line. Um, But I think the scary thing is where it goes next, because pretty much what Dave Johnson said, you know, because Trump's base, the racist base is not going away. Josh Marshall, uh, we started uh, with a quote from him early in the show, uh, speaking about the destructiveness of this entire campaign, virtually all of which he writes stems from Trump's transgressive, norm-demolishing behavior. He noted, none of this is going to disappear after November 8th. These are slashing wounds to the country's political fabric that will at best leave tremendous scar tissue we'll still see for decades. And with that cheery thought, let me uh, thank my guest today, uh, Jackie Schechner. Uh, folks can find you, Jackie, uh, at JackieSchechner.com, but also on the Twitters at Jackie Schechner, correct? Yes, that is correct. Very good. And Dave Johnson, we can find your work at peoplesaction.org and on the Twitters at DC Johnson, correct? Uh, actually, I think it's still ourfuture.org. But, and thank you for having me on. Ourfuture.org. All right. Thanks, guys, so much for uh, for your thoughts and your coverage today. My thanks as ever to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's broadcast, You can download it for free, as ever, at bradblog.com. You can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at TheBradBlog, or drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Brother, until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.